Amen. Thank you, Ron. And uh, right now, I'd like to invite uh, some familiar faces to join me on the platform here. Uh, We have Keith and Sandra Nash with us this weekend, as they have been in uh, Nepal for several weeks and are now back. Um, Would you welcome them with me? They're going to share a little update. Well, thank you, Mark. Thank you so much, and thank you for the opportunity to just give you just a brief uh, capsule of what we've done the last four or five weeks in Nepal. We want to thank you for your prayers and for your uh, support uh, and giving towards the Mega Voice uh, audio Bibles that we distributed there. Uh, Just to give you perspective, Nepal is between China and India along the Himalaya Mountains, and um, we had a very effective and busy time there. Uh, one week, we had a cultural experience to be out in the, out in the mountains uh, with a family in a very, very primitive setting. Uh, one week, I taught. Uh, the last week, we were with a, a Chinese medical missions team, and they did a number of clinics in several villages. I'm going to ask Sandra just to talk briefly about that that cultural experience. That was the very first thing that we engaged in when we got to Nepal. Well, I must say that when they dropped us off at the top of the mountain and started to unload our things from the vehicle, and we looked around and didn't see any house or hut or anything, but just this big, tall steps leading to nowhere... Um, We had some real feelings of apprehension, but um, we made it, uh, climbed the little mountain the rest of the way and made it to our our hut for the week. And um, what an experience. If you know about the movie, the complete makeover that they are, I mean, the TV program where they make homes over, right, right, uh, makeover. Anyway, they did that in about an hour's time with this little hut, and they tore down walls of mud. And by one hour later, we were sitting, they washed the floor with red mud, and we were sitting on the floor enjoying a Nepalese full rice and vegetable meal uh, along with hot tea. And I'm saying, um, you know, and for all those, the um, spiders and the bed bugs and uh, the rafter rats that were going to be there, there wasn't one. I know it was because of your prayers. And the teacher said, our teacher said, this is a miracle. So no rats, no spiders, no bed bugs, just tigers. (laughs) I'm serious. We didn't see any, but we had to use a flashlight at night and go out when we went to the restroom, the the toilet, and, and to check for tigers. So thank you for your prayers. Incredible experience. Not always easy, but God was faithful. Okay, thank you, Sandra. Just want to remind you that uh, the Mega Voice players, we were able to give, uh, send out and give to the church leaders. And also, um, your prayers for us have made all the difference in the world. We ask that you continue to be praying for the Nepalese leadership. Our role is primarily to provide training for their leadership to reach their world for Christ. And their goal is to reach, is to establish 300 churches in the next 10 to 20 years. And so do pray for them. Pray for Obed, the church leader, the national leader there, uh, and uh, 
I'm sure the Lord is just on the beginning stages of the best of what he's up to in Nepal. God bless you and thank you. Thank you. And before you take off, let's give them one more. It's really wonderful to see the reach of Linwood go beyond Sioux Falls and South Dakota and even America to literally around the world. And thank you for being ambassadors from from this church and from the Wesleyan Church and from our movement and our nation uh, to take the world. And um, I want to share some uh, some exciting news. Uh, we've uh, come to an agreement that uh, Keith and Sandra will continue to be a part of Linwood, and Keith's going to help with some pastoral care, and of course Sandra will be right by his side the whole time. And so we are very excited about that and excited about uh, their ability to continue in ministry here at Linwood. And uh, thank you for your help through the transition, for your help um, as I got settled in, and now for your help going forward. We just love you guys and are so grateful. Thank you very much. Right, so last week we started a new sermon series, and it was titled, A Family of Families. And if you were here, you know that we spent a good deal of time at the beginning talking about what kind of family of families do we want to be. Um, And we started with a healthy family of healthy families, because healthy things grow and accomplish their intended purpose. And we want your family to grow deeper and grow richer and grow stronger. And we want it to accomplish its intended purpose to, to nurture and extend and launch children and be a safe place and bring ch- grandchildren back and do all of those wonderful things. And as that happens, our family, the family of Linwood Church, will grow and become everything that God wants it to be and accomplish its intended purpose as well. So that was sort of our starting point. We talked a little bit about this principle called hermeneutics. Some people asked about that afterwards or wanted to get the spelling, wanted to learn more about it. The big idea behind the principle of hermeneutics is that when you understand the parts of something, you'll understand the whole of it better. And when you understand the whole of something better, you'll understand each of the parts better. And so there's this cycle that takes place as you study the book of Romans and really understand Romans. You see the whole Bible in a different way, in a more complete way. And as you see the whole Bible in the more complete way, then you'll understand Romans better. And that's the case with every book and every chapter and every verse of Scripture. And so that is why we say God's Word is living and active, or living and powerful, or living and effective, depending which translation you read. But the idea is that God's Word is not static, because as we become better at understanding the whole thing, we understand each of the parts. And the same is true as we consider our family of families, and as we consider uh, the different characteristics that we'll be looking at today. Honestly, like I said last week, this could have been a 50-week sermon series. There's at least a 50 different things that I would love to see your family be and become, whether it's a family of one or a family of seven, and would love to see our family become. But we're only going to have six or seven, so we've got to stay focused. We started on health last week. This week, we're going to be looking at a grateful family of grateful families, that Linwood Church would be known as a grateful family because all of the families that make up Linwood Church our grateful family. So we started by thanking our veterans, thanking those who have served, those who have paid the ultimate price, and their survivors. There may be survivors here today as well. And uh, I'm always reminded that Memorial Day is so much more than a day off and a barbecue for someone, for someone that you know. And uh, maybe you're that person. And so um, be mindful of and, and reach out to those who, who 
are survivors of those who, um, who paid the ultimate price. We also have much to celebrate, and I'm grateful for all of you who voted last week as, uh, as we voted in our new officers and had our local church conference last uh, Sunday evening. There is a new list of the current uh, board members and who's serving on those boards. So uh, you can see who, vo- who was voted in there. It's out at the Connection kiosk, and so you'd be welcome to pick one of those up. Um, we also have some copies of the written report last week. So if you couldn't make it to Sunday night and you want to know what's been going on in the last year and what's coming up in the next year, you can pick one of those up. But I want to say thank you to Kathy Poppinga and Ardell Veldkamp um, for serving over the last couple of years. Kathy was on our LBA and Ardell was on our board of trustees. They're cycling off now. And I want to say thank you to Loie, um, Loie Olson and Don Prescott for accepting and, and receiving the vote and the service that they'll provide uh, coming up in the next couple of years. And uh, finally, I just want to take one more opportunity to express our gratitude. We've got the Sunstrom 6 down here. In fact, you know, this is a little spur of the moment, and I'm getting an eye roll so loud, or so, so big you could hear it probably, but I want to ask everybody to come up here. Uh, these people want to see us, so get up and walk up here, and uh, I will introduce the family, but we are so grateful for the reception that we've received from Linwood Church, and, uh, and I'll probably hear about this this afternoon because she'd have worn something different or who knows, but she, doesn't she look great? Um, this is Heather. Heather and I have been married for 16 years this week. Ryan is next to her, and then we've got Carson and Owen hiding back there, and then this is Keaton. Keaton's in the, uh, the Linwood Student Ministries. The other three uh, are normally back there, but they decided they wanted to stay and listen to Dad preach today. So um, from our family to our family, we say thank you, and uh, God bless you. So you can go sit down now, but thanks. We really have had a wonderful transition um, following a couple of fairly rough transitions in a number of ways as God has called us from place to place. Our transition into Sioux Falls is by far the best of the three cross-country moves that we've had and we find ourselves settled in a home thanks to many people who have, who have contributed or have given a little gift here or there or have helped move or have stored our stuff for weeks on end and, and uh, we're just so grateful to be where we are and to be uh, your pastors here at, uh, at Linwood Church. So I uh, would be remiss to talk about being a grateful family of grateful families if my family didn't take the opportunity to express our gratitude to you. So today as we continue, I want to look at a passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 17. So if you want to turn there in your Bible, whatever Bible you bring um, is, is a great Bible to bring. If you don't have a Bible with you or um, you don't like to, to use a digital device or something, there's Bibles in the chairs and you can reach uh, underneath any chair. There should be a Bible there within two or three of the chairs. And it's funny, sometimes people ask me, they say, Pastor Mark, what's the best translation of the Bible? Is it the King James or is it the NIV, the Nearly Inspired Version, as my professor in seminary called it? Is it the ESV or which one is it? And I say, you know what the best version of the Bible is? It's the version you read every day and ask God to bring out in your life. That's the best version of the Bible. Personally, I preach from the NIV, but I read all different translations. I've been reading through Romans in the, book, in the message translation, and I have just loved the way uh, the words come to life when you hear it in a different translation. So we're going to read these in the NIV, um, and you can follow along with us. This is the uh, story of the ten lepers when Jesus ten, heals ten uh, men of leprosy. And so here's where we pick up the narrative in verse 11. 
On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now, in case you're not terribly familiar with it, Uh, Leprosy is a skin condition. It's a skin disease. It was highly contagious in the ancient world. And so uh, you can see uh, there's a picture of a man who has leprosy on his face. And it, it disfigures the face. It can even permanently disfigure the face. And one of the things about leprosy is it was immediately recognizable. And so people would see that. And if you had leprosy, you were supposed to yell everywhere you went, unclean, unclean, so that people would know to stay away from you and not touch you um, and contract the leprosy. So these men were probably outside the village because they had been cast out from the village. And they were, they were pushed aside because of their leprosy and they were asked to stay away so that the water supply or whatever else wasn't infected with it. So Jesus meets them there and they ask him to, to cleanse them. They say, Master, Master, have pity on us. And Jesus' response indicates that cleansing will take place as they make their way to go and show themselves to the priest. And that's what you would do if you were, were cleansed of your leprosy. You would show yourself to the priest. The priest would, would sort of bless you, and you would pay, uh, make an offering for the cleansing or the healing that you had received. Now, it's interesting, the difference, because we read in verse 14 that these, these men were cleansed as they went. They were cleansed as they expressed their faith and took off to go show themselves to the priest. We're told they were cleansed. The Greek word there is, is a special word. It's a word that we get our, our word catharsis. If you've ever heard of catharsis or a cathartic experience, a deliverance experience, where, where we're told that they were cleansed, they were made clean, they were literally clean, ceremonial clean, or spiritually clean as they went, as they followed Jesus' instructions. But the story doesn't stop there, does it? The story is not really about ten men cleansed of leprosy, is it? The story becomes about the one who returned. Because the one who returned to give thanks, the one who returned to Jesus, having seen, oh my gosh, I've been cleansed, I have to go back. I have to express gratitude for what God has done in my life. I have to, I have to go back and thank him. That's who the story becomes about, isn't it? It becomes about the one who comes back. And we're told something very different about the one who came back. Jesus addresses him in verse 19 and says, rise and go, your faith has made you well. So there's a difference between being cleansed and being made well. And to be made well comes from the Greek verb sozo, which is the same word that we have for salvation. Now, the word that Jesus uses uh, or that is translated here is sesokin, which means to save, to heal, to preserve, to rescue. So beyond just being cleansed, they, Jesus is saying, your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has rescued you. 
And I believe as we talk about being a family, a healthy family of healthy families, we'll find that gratitude makes you well. It makes you healthier. It makes all of your relationships better. It makes all of your relationships healthier. If you give and receive gratitude, if you make a point to express gratitude. And there's a couple of principles I don't want us to miss in this passage and in this story. The first is the necessity of faith, and it applies to all ten of the lepers. They all believed that Jesus could and that he would cleanse them. They begged him for pity. He told them to go show themselves to the priest. They went, and on their way, they were cleansed. Now, I'm going to venture a guess as I look out over the audience today, and as I've shaken hands and and gotten to know many of you, I, I don't think we have a lot of leprosy at Linwood Church. But I do think this still applies, because I know that every single one of us was born with a heart infected with sin. And we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we've all either been redeemed by the saving grace of Jesus Christ as we've received the gospel, as we've believed in him, as we've called upon his name, put our faith and our hope and our trust in him, then we've either received that or we have not yet received that. And there may be some among us who have heard the good news or they've heard bits and pieces and they're trying to decide, is that reliable information? Can I put my life in God's hands? Does he really love me? Is he really crazy about me? Did he really send his son to die for me? And so if we believe that, if we have expressed faith, that faith can make us well. That faith can make us well. And so the question today is, do you believe that he can make you well? Do you believe that he can still make you well? There may be some in the room today who've, who've really gone a long ways in the wrong direction. And they're wondering, can, can Can faith in Jesus Christ really make me well? Can it really make the difference? Can it really heal me? Can it really rescue me? Can it really deliver me out of danger and into safety? Or maybe you're among those who it has. And so the the second one becomes very important. The second principle that we see in this passage is the power of gratitude. That gratitude is powerful. And it's amazing to me that only one out of the ten return to give thanks. Only one. That would be one-tenth. That would lodge in my mind as a tithe. A tithe returns to give thanks. And I think we see a beautiful illustration of the biblical principle of tithing that says God gives us everything that we have. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and everything on it. And we return a tenth to him. And as we do, we acknowledge that it all came from him in the first place. We acknowledge that it's all his in the first place and we return to him a tenth as an expression of our gratitude and it becomes evidence of what's going on inside of our hearts and inside of our lives. That's why it's a great joy to tithe. It's a great joy to say, God, you've given me everything. I return a portion to you in order to acknowledge that it all came from you. In fact, I, I would venture a guess that if I, if I asked anybody to come up here and I'll give you a dollar and you give me a dime and I'll give you a dollar and you give me a dime and I'll give you a dollar. You'd want to play that game all day, wouldn't you? I would. Anybody else? Any takers? No? That's a pretty good deal. You give me a dollar, I give you a dime. We'll turn it around. But that, that's really the way God works. And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't help but see that in the passage, that a tenth returns. And it's an encouragement for us to return a tenth to him. And, and to do it with genuine and sincere gratitude. Because as we see here, this is transformational. This this. This one leper who is cleansed and who returns to give thanks goes from being cleansed to being made well. 
goes from being cleansed in the, in the present moment to being delivered, to being made truly well. And it can make you well too. You know, I, one of my favorite books, probably my top 10, and I might have 20 books in my top 10 Christian books outside of the Bible. I read my Bible every day, but I read a lot of Christian books as well. And one of my favorites is a book called 1,000 Gifts. And I was recommended uh, to this book by my Christian counselor because I would sit in her office and I would complain about everything and all the idiots that I had to work with and all that. I mean, I was just not a very pleasant person to be around some of the time. Or I was pleasant to be around, but then when I wasn't around you, I'd just complain about you all the time. And she said, yeah, I want you to read a book. Would you read a book for me? And I said, sure, I'd read a book. Is it good? She said, oh, it's great. It's wonderful. And it's the story of a, of a housewife who has six kids, and she's just overwhelmed with taking care of these six kids. And a friend of hers dares her and says, I want you to make a list of a thousand things that you're thankful for. Little things, big things, complex things, simple things. It could just be uh, a handful of dandelions in the fist of a three-year-old kid that comes and gives you flowers. That could be something you're thankful of. And as she started to write this list out, and she started to each day add two or three or six or eight things to it, something changed in her heart. And the gratitude that she was intentionally putting in her life changed her. And she became a much kinder and gentler and much more loving and much more grateful person. And it started to ripple through her family. And her family became a more grateful family. And the the temperature and the climate of their family interactions changed significantly. And so this book uh, really had an impact on me. I made a list of a 1,000 gifts. I made another 800 or so. And then I started journaling on a regular basis. And so I don't write into my list of a 1,000 gifts. I, I... do it on a daily basis, and it's just become a, a thing. And so if you think I'm a jerk now, you should have seen me seven or eight years ago before I read this book and became a more grateful person. Um, but gratitude just flows out of me, and gratitude, she discovered, is linked to joy. It's linked to the joy of the Lord in our hearts is cultivated through gratitude. And so I would encourage you in that um, because it's easy for gratitude to become transactional, it's easy for gratitude to be, well, I'm going to thank you because I want you to do it again. Or I'm going to, I'm going to write out my list of ten things to God and, and say thank you so that he'll keep blessing me. Or I'm going, to, I'm going to do whatever gratitude I do. And really my heart, the heart behind it is so that I'll get more or so that uh, whatever the case may be. Make sure gratitude doesn't become transactional because it has the power to be transformational. It has the power to unleash joy in our lives and through our lives, and that joy then gets transmitted to others as well. And you'll also find, and you probably know this, that ingratitude is a pretty powerful thing too, isn't it? When you do something for somebody, when you go out of your way and, and they never say thank you, we have to fight against perceiving the lack of gratitude as ingratitude because when un- unexpressed gratitude is so often perceived as ingratitude, And that can cause a wedge between people. So we have to be really careful. And the more intentional we are in expressing gratitude, the less likely we are to inadvertently offend somebody with their gratitude. And as I say that, I'm sure there are people who've gone out of their way for me or for us, and I haven't personally thanked you. And if that's the case, I certainly apologize. There's there's three reasons I want to dig into a little bit. Three reasons why it can be hard to be grateful. Three reasons why it's difficult, why it doesn't come naturally to us. And the first is, and I think that this is worse in America than it is maybe anywhere else, but we embrace the envy and entitlement that our culture assaults us with every single day. We start to feel like we're, we're entitled or we're so busy admiring what everybody else has that we can't be thankful for what we have. 
And if we fall into that trap of envy and entitlement, we forget to be grateful. We forget to be thankful for what we have right now. There's a quote from George Bernard Shaw that has been a favorite of mine for some time. And he says, This is the true joy of life, the being used up for a purpose recognized by yourself as a mighty one. And here's the part that really fits with this envy and entitlement. Being a force of nature instead of a feverish, selfish little clot of ailments and grievances, complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. Does anybody want to be described that way? Anybody want to be called a a feverish, selfish little clot of ailments and grievances, complaining that the world will not devote you devote itself to making you happy. That's what our culture kind of tells us. You know, the world ought to make you happy. You should just focus on being happy and be around people that make you happy and not be around people who don't. Do things that make you happy and not do things that don't. And he finishes, I'm of the opinion that my life belongs to the community. My life belongs to the family. My life belongs to my church, to my God, to my brothers and sisters in Christ. And as long as I live, it is my privilege to do for it, for that community, what I can. And so I wonder, did, did one or two or more of the nine lepers who didn't return, did they think they were entitled somehow? Did they think that, that somehow they were deserving of that? And that's why they didn't go back. I don't know. And another reason that it's hard to be grateful is that we're dangerously distracted. We are dangerously distracted. The pace of life is so quick. And there's one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. And, and even though ingratitude can be unintentional sometimes, it can still be painful to be the recipient of ingratitude. We've got so much technology and so much convenience, you'd think we'd have all this extra time because we figured out how to do everything faster and easier and quicker and keep it in our pocket and all this stuff. And yet that's not the case. We just do more and we do more and we do more and we go more places and we do more things. And if we're not careful, we become so distracted that we forget to be grateful. In fact, I saw a video, somebody shared a video with me this week where somebody was saying, you know, kids keep getting left in car seats in hot cars because their parents are so distracted. You talk about dangerously distracted. And the video recommended that you leave something important, like your cell phone, with your child so that you'll remember to take it. I'm like, what is more important than the child? Excuse me. And yet we're so dangerously distracted. That's one of the reasons that it's hard to be, be grateful. And I have to wonder, did, did two or three or four or maybe more of the nine lepers, were they just so excited? They were so distracted by the people they wanted to tell and the, the priests they wanted to show and be reengaged in, in community and in the, in the village life and all of that, that they, were, they just forgot. It wasn't intentional. They were just distracted. And they got distracted by the, the things that they were excited to go and do. And the third is we have improper priorities. We have improper priorities. And so if our priority is to get more and to have more and, and, and to be happy and to get all the things that make us happy and get rid of all the things that don't, that's an improper priority. There's a priority that we could have around contentment, about, around being content with what we have. And it would transform our lives. Because the truth is, if, if you have an appetite the thing with appetites is they're never fully and finally satisfied. They might be satisfied for a little while, but eventually you want more. And if you get what you have, you want more. That's why a lot of people that have a tattoo have a second tattoo. Because they had an appetite for a tattoo, but once they got one, they thought, well, now I want another one. 
Or, or maybe you know people who, how many people know somebody that has one gun? I, this is another one. Like, you get a gun, you want another gun. And you get another gun, you want another gun. And, and you get a motorcycle, you want another motorcycle. And you get a fast car, you want another fast car. And this is the way that we work. And, and so if we're not careful, and our priority is on getting more and having more and just being happy, and when I get this, I'll be happy, then we'll forget to be grateful for what we have right now. And there's a, uh, a great conclusion to this message in Psalm 103. So if you want to turn to page 939, we're going to spend a little bit of time in Psalm 103. And we're going to look at three ways to cultivate gratitude in your life as an individual, in your family, and in our family. Three ways that we can cultivate gratitude. Psalm 103 is one of my favorite psalms. And it's a psalm of David. And I love the way that it represents at least three reminders or three ways that we can cultivate gratitude in our lives. The first is that we decide to be grateful. If you want to cultivate gratitude in your life, it's going to happen because of a decision you make. You're adults, the vast majority of you. And I say often, adults do what adults want to do. Adults do what adults decide to do. And if you decide to be more grateful, that's the first step in becoming more grateful. And we see this in verse 1 and verse 22 where David literally commands his soul to praise God, commands his soul to give thanks to God for the many blessings that he then lists in this, in this psalm. So in verse 1, he says, praise the Lord, O my soul. He's basically saying, soul, praise the Lord. He's made a decision. He's commanding his soul. And he finishes the last phrase of this psalm also says, praise the Lord, O my soul. And so David has made a decision. He's made a decision to be a grateful person, and he is commanding his soul to express gratitude to God. There's a number of ways that you could do this practically. You could start your own list of a thousand gifts. You could open it up in a notebook and and start writing it out and keep that little notebook with you. And and every time you see something that you're thankful for, maybe it's just a couple green lights in a row. Write it out once you get to a red light. Write it out. And say, I'm thankful for that. Or maybe you come home and the table's set and there's a wonderful meal there. Maybe that happens every night for you. Maybe it doesn't. But you can be thankful. You can write it down. And you could start your own list. Or if you, if you don't write things down anymore because you have a cell phone, you could open up a notes app. And you could just start numbering off. One, two, three. And see how far you can get. See if you could create a habit. A habit. Because you decided to be grateful. The other thing you might need to do if, as you decide it, to be grateful is to reject your expectations. Reject your expectations because expectations kill relationships and they kill gratitude. If everything is expected, then you forget to be grateful for the things that you have. So if you're expecting something and it happens, be grateful. And if you find yourself forgetting to be grateful because of the expectations you have and they're merely meeting expectations, then reject the expectations. And choose to be grateful instead. I remember uh, an occasion where um, it was actually when Owen was born. And I was working on staff at a church at the time. And we were sure that many people from the staff of that church were going to come. And they were going to, you know, welcome him and celebrate and and all of this. And, And the reality was we got one required visit from staff. It was the person who was on call. And I started to get a little bitter about that. Now... 
People from our community group came. Our life group pastors, we called them life groups at the time, or community groups at the time. They came. They came multiple times. They came each day. They prayed with us. They celebrated with us. People, other friends from church came. And uh, I remember it was a real lesson as I was kind of griping about that to one of them at the end. I said, well, nobody's come? And I said, well, no, a bunch of people have come. All, you know, all the people from group and our friends and everything, but nobody from the church came. And they said, well, all those people go to the church. What are you talking about? Nobody from church came. And it was like the scales fell from my eyes, and and my eyes were open, and I realized God had sent a lot of people to come and to pray with us and to celebrate with us. And it meant more because they weren't on staff. It meant more because they weren't paid to do it, the the people that had come on on their own. And the church had come, and there was a shift. So I had to reject my expectations and learn to be grateful for what I did have and express that gratitude to them. And so I think that's a really important, uh, important one to understand, to decide to be grateful. The second one that we see here is to desire to be grateful. Desire, build up a desire to be grateful in your life. We see David writing here in the second phrase of verse 1, All my inmost being praise his holy name. The inmost being he's referring to is our heart. It's the, it's the birthplace of desire. And, and he's saying, don't just do it because you have to do it. Want to do it. Right? Want to do it. Desire to express gratitude. Desire. Jesus said it in Mark 15 and in, I'm sorry, Matthew 15 and Mark 7. He quotes Isaiah 29, 13, where it says, This people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That's why I think desiring to be a grateful person, to be a genuinely grateful person is so important. That it would never be said of us that we honor God with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. That when we desire him and when it brings us satisfaction and, and, and it brings us joy to express our gratitude to God, now we're on the right track and we're desiring. All our inmost being wants to praise his holy name. And then in verse 3, there's a reminder And that's the third way that we cultivate is we remember. We build it into our lives. We make it a part of our daily lives. We remember to be grateful. In verse 2, he says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And the the next 20 verses of this psalm are listing the benefits of praising God, the benefits of serving God, the ways that God goes before his people. I counted at least 11. I dare you to find more and share them with me. But... We remember to be grateful. We remember to be grateful to God, and we remember to be grateful to others. And one of the best ways that I've found to do this is to create gratitude prayer triggers. Gratitude prayer triggers. Little things throughout the day that remind me to be grateful. Little things that remind me to express thanks. And so I used to hate red lights. Now, red lights are a gratitude prayer trigger. And when I get to a red light, I think, oh, I've got 30 seconds to be thankful. And so I'll be thankful intentionally. And sometimes I even send a text to somebody to say thank you for something while I'm sitting at a red light. It's a prayer trigger. It's a reminder. We've built this into our daily lives with our boys. Each night we end the day with a little talk. And they share something that that they were excited about, the best part of their day, the hardest part of their day, and something that they're thankful for. And so every day we're sharing as a family about things that we're thankful for. And I can't encourage you enough to make this a habit. Now, there's three outcomes of cultivating gratitude in your life, in your family's life, in your church's life. First is more gratitude. Gratitude is contagious. Gratitude begets gratitude. How often do you say thank you to somebody and they thank you for something that you did too, right? And that, that's mutually edifying. And that kind of leads into our bottom line. There's a number of bottom lines that we could come from today, but the idea that what gets celebrated gets repeated, that when you express gratitude and, and you celebrate something together as a group of people, that that thing that you celebrated gets repeated. 
that thing that you celebrate gets repeated. And it, it's, it's encouraging, and it's a positive spin on all of it. The second is that you get more joy. One of the outcomes of gratitude is more joy. We express gratitude. That feels good. It feels good in a way that self-serving pleasure doesn't. As we share the good thing that has happened and celebrate that with somebody, we experience more joy. And finally, more generosity. The most joyful people are the most generous people. I've seen that to be true over and over and over. And that as people express gratitude, as people give thanks, as people share the joy, as they give generously, whether that's their time or their talent or their treasure, whatever it is that they choose to give, as they give those things, they experience more joy and they experience more generosity. Because giving generously and sacrificially properly acknowledges the place of God in our lives and the gratitude for all he has given us. So if I'm reading the clock right, I ran a little long, and I apologize for that. But it's Memorial Day weekend. You got tomorrow off, so you can put an extra 10 minutes at church, right? I want to encourage you, and I want to dare you, if you're the kind of person that responds to a dare, I want to dare you to spend some time every day in Psalm 103 for the next seven days. And I want you to look at the different things that David lists that he's grateful for, that he's praising God for, and maybe use that as a trigger or a cue to write out a few things that you're thankful for. And tomorrow on Memorial Day, you can be thankful for certain things, and you can write those down, and that can get you started. And on Tuesday and on Wednesday, and you can take a step towards becoming an intentionally more grateful person. You could write note cards to people that you're thankful for and for the contribution they've made in your life, and you can share that. And I hope that, that this could become the basis of a personal devotional or a family devotional um, that would help you over the next week or two to become more grateful and to become more aware of God's goodness. So decide, desire, and remember to praise God and to do it every single day. Would you bow with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful. We are truly grateful people. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for your presence in our lives. We're thankful for thousands of thousands of thousands of things that you have done for us that we're not even aware of sometimes. For protection and provision, for healing. Lord, the list goes on and on. And so as we reflect and we meditate upon these words of David, to bless the Lord, to forget not his benefits, I think of no better way than to close the service thanking you and praising you for the thousands and thousands of reasons that we have. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.